I'm Jorge Medina, and 55 years ago, my life started in diapers. Hi, I'm Jill. And I'm Ashley. And this is Poverty Pitfalls and the Price of Diapers. And today we have Jorge Medina with the Texas Diaper Bank, and I cannot wait to get into this conversation. It's, it's a really good one. Um, but hi, Ashley, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. A lot, a lot on the plate this week with fifth grade graduations and talent shows and oh my, gosh. my roadie side job. <laughs> <laughs> talent show roadie. I love it. I yes, love it. Yes. Um, that's fun. Volleyball still going well. Yes. My okay. son went with me last week and it was much more successful. He oh, good. had a couple friends to play with and <gasps> They were practicing volleyball during our break and he's never touched a volleyball in his life. And you could tell it was so funny. (laughs) That's awesome though. Breaking out of his comfort zone. I love it. I'm trying to push him. That's That's one of my goals right now is to push him out of his comfort zone. That's really cool. Yeah. We ended shiny mission ended early. Um, My daughter got out of school last week. She had a pool party that day. They had a kick off the summer party yesterday with a sleepover camp out. Um, so I'm in full summer mode, I think already. Yeah. Yeah. I'm ready for it. I know I need need it. (laughs) Just something (laughs) a little bit more relaxed about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's really nice. Um, but anyway, I back to Jorge, I'm, this is a really fun conversation and he's just a really cool guy. And, um, we talked a little bit about, there is a conference hosted by the national diaper bank network for diaper banks. And recently also they do a day for, um, period supplies and happy bottoms has been going to this since its inception. Really. In fact, we hosted it one year, um, in the early years, uh, at our Lenexa warehouse, um, but we're going this year to Orlando, Florida, and I so cannot excited. wait. And Ashley gets to go. Um, Kelly, our program manager, is going, and so is Andrea Babbitt, our volunteer specialist. So um, we're yeah, I'm excited that you all get to go meet some of these incredible diaper bank leaders like Jorge. He'll be down there. Um, and it's great. Huggies sponsors the event and they usually, um, take us out for a really fun evening. Um, one night and one year we got to go to universal studios after hours. Wow. And then we had a dinner and dance party on the stage where the show was. So it was really It was really cool. We love now you set the bar way too high. I know I have. (laughs) (laughs) So we were talking, hopefully it won't get canceled. We haven't been able to have it in person the past few years, but, um, hopefully it's in person. It's just such, it's really a great experience for, you know, diaper banking is, is still very new and, can, I think, feel a little bit isolating when you don't have those connections with other people who are in the diaper banking industry. So it's a great opportunity for everybody to get together and discuss what works, what doesn't, and just make those connections and relationships. So, um, so it'll be fun. And that's how I first met Jorge with, you know, he welcomed me with open arms at my first conference and, um, we've been buds ever since. So, 
I hope that you guys enjoy Jorge. Jorge, welcome to the show. We're thank you we're, for having me, Jill. Yes, really we're so excited to have you. I'm, I'm. Yeah, I'm just, I'm very excited. Um, Jorge, as I'm sure you all heard in the intro, is one of my fellow diaper bank leaders um, down in Texas. So Jorge, tell us just a little bit about your early life. You know, just who are you, where you came from? What's that, what's that like? Sure. Um, Well, I was born in Laredo, Texas, uh, which is a small town. It's about 156 miles away from San Antonio. And um, I was born, raised there, went to school. Um, and I really liked growing up in a small city um, up to a certain point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is Laredo City? It's not like I know nothing about. So it's not like, um, I don't know, more rural. It's more city, you think? I, I think... It was, uh, it's a little, it was a little more rural, I would say, uh, mm-hmm. growing up, but we did have a proper downtown, mm-hmm. uh, which we, we loved going to, uh, my earliest memories were of my mom taking me and my sister downtown. Mm-hmm. And my favorite thing was to go to, um, if you recall, there was Woolworths and oh, yeah. all those five and dime stores and going and eating at the counter, um, going and looking at the toys, picking up a candy. Uh, it was just so cool to just be able to go downtown. And then my mom would take us to the Plaza Theater, which is still standing. It was an art deco movie theater downtown. And we would go see all the Disney movies. My first uh. memory was seeing Cinderella, uh, which still stays in my head. Uh, it's still in my head. Uh, but I mean, we got to see all the classics, you know, Sleeping Beauty, Snow White, Peter Pan. Um, and then as we grew up, we would still go down to the Plaza Theater with my mom or, you know, just me and my sister. Uh, but we would go next door to ABC Music. And so ABC Music was the only record store in Laredo. And I love the smell of vinyl, just walking in and seeing all the guitars on the wall, all the other Mm. instruments and all the vinyls just lined up in aisles and rows and rows. Um, And so I, we would just love going, uh, going to Mm. the music store. Those were some of my early uh, memories. Mm -hmm. Uh, Man, you you making me like wish that we still had the Woolworth or the dime stores. Like there's just something so, I don't know, not electronic about it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Real. It, like, you know, we were just talking about like real, right? It that. was very real. It was very, uh, for me, it was very tactile because you got to mm-hmm. see things, touch them. You know, now I'm an Amazon shopper. Right. Uh, and sometimes right. It's, a little, it's a little hard to really like, you know, get a sense of what you're buying because you're not having that experience where you're, mm-hmm. you know, those other things that heighten your sensories and, you know, you're just like, oh, I can touch it. I can smell the wood. I can smell, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and I say wood because I remember the first memory that I have about Woolworths is walking in and smelling the wood floors. Oh yeah. And, and then as you walk, you would hear people shuffling you know, feet mm-hmm. shuffling along the, you know, um, against the, the hardwood floor. 
So I remember that. And, and downtown for me was such a, a wonderful experience. I mean, going back to school was one of our favorite times, not because I like school. No, because I like, I like, I like I shopping wish, for school. I wish everybody yes, could have just seen too. your face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just being extremely honest. It's like, you know, yeah. I love going, we used to have a store called Gibson's and they, mm-hmm. and you would go buy your, all your school supplies at Gibson's and, and, and the owner used to uh, put some kind of sawdust on the floors that would actually keep the floors polished. Oh, wow. I don't know, it was like this little red powder stuff. And then you would smell that and then you would walk in and there was these aisles, these beautiful aisles of, of, of school supplies, but then you had to go to the counter and get other school supplies. So people may not know this, that sometimes you just couldn't get that tablet from off the aisle. You had to go to a <laughs> counter and say, can I have that, that big red chief tablet with the number two pencil and the oh big gosh. jumbo crayons and stuff. I, I loved all that. Uh, mm-hmm. that's so cool. And you, you have a sister. Yes. I, were you I guys close. Go ahead. Oh, well, we're, a total of four. we're a total of oh four. Goodness. Were yeah. you guys close growing up? Me and my, uh, eldest sister, mm-hmm. we were very close. I mean, mm-hmm. to this day, we call each other every day, uh, to see how our days are. Uh, and then I played the role of big brother to my younger sister and my younger brother, which we were six years apart. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a big difference. Absolutely. So when do you think you learned about poverty? I think that's a really interesting question because, um, we grew up middle-class my dad worked really hard. My mom was a, ho- uh, a homemaker. Um, but I didn't learn about what it meant to, to be between the haves and the have nots until we moved. We grew up close to downtown. My grandmother uh, had a home on a main street in Laredo. And then she, we lived in another home that she owned in the same block, but in the back. And, and it was a very, uh, it was more urban, I would say, because it was a main street and, and school wasn't too far away. And then downtown wasn't too far away. Uh, my parents decided to buy a property and build a home in, the, in what was called the Heights uh, back then in Laredo. And well, it's still called the Heights. So it was a newer neighborhood. It was a really nicer neighborhood. The school was much nicer. The homes were much nicer. And uh, my, my grandmother decided to sell both of her homes and move in with us. My, my mom was her caregiver. And so she moved in with us. But I didn't learn between the haves and have nots until I moved into this new neighborhood. Uh, and it wasn't because... I felt that I didn't have as much as other people is because other people told me that I didn't have as much. Really? You learn about poverty, not because it's something that you see or experience because, you know, like, like people say, like, you can be poor and you can be rich and happy. Your life can be very full and happy. It's because other people tell you that you don't have things. Mm -hmm. And that's when you start learning between the difference between haves and haves not. And so, uh, you know, I was going to a school where all around the school, there were these beautiful homes, 
there were these major doctors, business owners, uh, and 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 even back then, no fault of the teachers, teachers would play favorites. You know, you would go to the classroom and they would say, oh, well, this is so-and-so. He is the son of so-and-so and his doctor is really prominent in our community and blah, blah, blah. And you felt like they were getting some kind of preferential treatment. Mm -hmm. uh, they may not have been the brightest or the most creative or, or whatever, but they got a, you got a sense that they had a preferential treatment. And that's when you start to learn that someone else has a leg up on life mm -hmm. or sort of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, they so got treatment because of what they, when you say have the have and have nots because the of haves what they and have not. And so have. that's, yeah, they had more, you know, and, 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 and this idea that, you know, their dad was, you know, a city official or, or, or their dad owned a, a you know, a, a store or, or something, you know? And so I, I think that that is the one thing that in our society, I feel that we get it wrong when we place value on that and, and we don't really treat people equally, mm -hmm. you know, Absolutely. because if we want to raise dynamic children. We should treat all children equally because then we start to say, well, this person's more important than you. Mm -hmm. This person has a privilege, mm -hmm. you know, but you don't, you know? Um, so yes. So, so I think school, really, really changed for me when we moved from our uh, other school in our other community to this new uh, neighborhood. It, it really, really changed. Mm. Uh, my sister, we talked about it. We were, I mean, I only went to the first grade in that school, but yet I was popular. You know, I used to have mm -hmm. a wonderful uh, time at school and everything changed when I moved to this new school. I found out that I wasn't popular. You know, and, and, and yeah, it was, it was different. It was a different experience. Is that, so you talk about the, like, you know, treating equal. I mean, so much of that is, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the word, the, uh, bias. There's a word that goes before the bias, um, you know, subconscious, subconscious bias. It's not, and it's not what I'm inherent no. bias. No. Mm -hmm. There's a word I'll have to, I'll have to find it because <laughs> there's even like a quiz you can see to see what your biases are that you're not even aware of. Right. We have so many, so many things that are just ingrained in us, right, wrong, or indifferent, right. um, that it's really, it is, you know, can we, can we ever change that? Can we change that, um, I mean, we can, you know, treating people equally, but it just seems sometimes like such an uphill battle because, because there are so many. Yeah. There was a study that was done and I, and I wish I could re remember what the study name was and who mm -hmm. conducted that study. But I remember hearing about it and reading about it a couple of, I was actually like about 10 years ago. And it was one of those studies where they say they took children and they gauge their, and I'm, and now I'm lost for the word, but they're self-worth, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. how they feel about themselves. And this was before they start going to public school. And they found that it diminishes every year that they're in public school <gasps> to the point where it's so low by the time that they graduate. And I thought, well, if that's not telling <laughs> wow. of what are, what we're doing to children. 
you know wow because i think that that is so important indicative of how we end up as adults yeah I'm, I think I'm, social media just exacerbates that so much because before we may have been in a classroom with kids and we didn't know we weren't invited to a birthday party or whatever. Now it's posted online and you know, well, I wasn't at that party, so I must not have been invited. So you know what everybody else is doing around you and you have that, you know, feel of being excluded, feel of not being part of what others are doing. And then that. Right. And that's true even for adults, honestly, I feel. Well, I mean, I think that that's why we have so so many individuals that are confused, searching uh, what their purpose in life is uh, or questioning their Mm self-worth because social media has really changed a lot of things. It puts it really in your face. And when you have people that are flashing their uh, worth you know, the, the things they own, the homes they have. Uh, and, and this is all very subjective because sometimes it's all just very staged. But we don't know any better, I think, as human beings. We, we do and we don't sometimes. And so people are absorbing all that. And they're saying, oh, my God, you know, so-and-so has a mansion that's $50 million. Why don't I have a mansion that's $50 million? If this celebrity has, like, 10 cars, why don't I have 10 cars? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, if this person's a billionaire, why am I not a billionaire? And I think that puts a lot of, of pressure on people. Mm-hmm. And, and it causes a lot of depression in, in some folks who can't filter that information and, 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 and decipher between what's real and what's not real and, and what, you know, and, and, and it, you know, collapses or breaks down their self-worth, mm-hmm. you know, and, well, and it's disturbing, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, and going back to that study you were talking about, which I'm going to have to look up and self-worth made me think like, there's really no education about self-worth. So, I mean, any, unless your parents are smart enough to think to, you know, really ingrain that in you. And maybe nowadays they're getting a little bit more, but I'm, you know, back in, back, back in the day, I, I, I don't think many parents were thinking about ingraining it educating a child on exactly what their self-worth is. So then they get into school and they're, yeah, hearing all these things and, wow. or whatever, I'm getting good grades. And so I get a yay for that. And that makes me feel good. Well, that can't be the only thing that makes you feel good. And so, you know, that education piece on right. what right. does I give heard Tony good. Robbins the other day, and he was talking about how you can be the most successful person and you may feel like such a loser because whatever blueprint you have outlined for your life will always make you feel unsatisfied, Mm. you know, and that could be a blueprint about finances. If I don't have a million dollars, then no matter how much money I earn and I could have a great job and I'm doing fine and, and my family has everything they need, I will never feel satisfied because in my mind, my blueprint is in order to have self-worth, I need to reach a million dollars. So I found that very interesting, but it, it, it all has to do with our upbringing and, and, you know, how, how we were raised and, mm-hmm. and what we were told that had value. Yeah. It, I'm, making, uh, I'm making a note about this blueprint in your mind. I like that. 
I actually think you have to be like intentional about gratitude. You have to intentionally um, focus on the things that you can be grateful for. I think there's something stimulating mentally about doing that. And I, I think that's something that people are, some people put in practice, like even if it's just like November 1st through the 30th for Thanksgiving or whatever. Absolutely. I think that that really just starts to change your perspective on how you feel about the things that you do have, because, you know, there's lots of schools of thought about, you know, uh, and ideas around uh, gratitude and, and value. And so, you know, if you start valuing what you have, it starts changing your perspective because it diminishes what you, your thoughts about what you don't have, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that that is so important, but it's hard. And I'll, and I'll say this because I've tried, God knows, uh, I've tried to do gratitude journals mm-hmm. and I found it so difficult. But then the other day I heard Oprah, I heard, you know, she had like a podcast or something. And so I was listening to it about gratitude, uh, mm-hmm. Ashley. So I was, I was, I was uh, onto that. And, and so I was listening to what she said and she says that she limits herself to five, not limits herself, but she at least tries to reach five things that she is grateful for and list them on her journal. She's been journaling for years. And then she mentioned that, if she cannot think of anything, she says, I am just right. I am grateful for breath, 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 five times. And she goes, it's just that one basic thing that you should be grateful for because you were able to get up that morning and you, and you were uh, granted the privilege of breath that day. Mm-hmm. And I thought, that's it. That's why I struggle so much because I'm trying to come up with five original things to write about every day. And I'm remembering what I wrote yesterday and my mind's tired at the end of the day. Cause I don't know how you all are feeling at the end of the day, but I can't think yeah. another thought <laughs> at the end of the day, right before bed, Pride. I look yeah, at that journal and I'm just like, Oh, homework, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right before bed homework. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so Jorge, before I get to my next question, I actually want to ask another question. How, um, how did you get into diaper banking and you know, what, cause I, I know you're very passionate about the work that you do. What, what sparked that passion or what, you know, led you to this path? I always have liked helping people. Um, and I think that it becomes, it's because of, you know, your upbringing and, um, you know, uh, my grandmother achieved a lot, you know, she achieved where she had two homes. She had, I was going to say, not to interrupt you, but I was going to say, I, when you mentioned earlier that your grandmother had two homes, you know, I'm guessing that was not the times that we are in right now, that's impressive. No, that is no. really impressive. It is. It, it's impressive to me when I look back because yeah. I'm, I'm in awe of what she achieved. And, and just to give you a little bit of story on my grandmother, uh, she, you know, she went through the, uh, the war, mm-hmm. uh, faced the great depression. Uh, I mean, my, my mom used to tell me stories about how they used to distribute eggs and milk during the wow. depression and, and things of that sort. Uh, because it was just not available and, and people were, uh, you know, facing immense poverty. Um, and my grandfather uh, was not educated. Uh, he was a coal miner. 
Wow. I know. It, I, I'm, I'm giving a Laredo, Texas story about coal mining. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm it. not making this up. There was actually a coal mine in Laredo and my, and my grandfather was a, was a coal miner. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, my grandmother would believed in sacrifice. Uh, she was very goal oriented. She knew that she wanted to provide a home for her daughters. Uh, and she achieved that. Wow. She, she built her first home. She built her second home. Uh, she wanted to have an income property. That was, that was her idea. Um, so ahead of her time. So driven. And she may not have been the richest woman in the neighborhood, but she was very well respected. Mm. And it was really funny because my mother would always tell me my story. There was a neighbor who had actual apartments and she would rent out the apartments and, and she had more money than my grandmother. And yet she would come and borrow money from my grandmother. <laughs> so for me, she was someone I, I looked up to, you know, yeah. and I still do do today. I mean, uh, my, my voice gets a little shaky just thinking yeah. about it because I really think that uh, that is what lays a foundation for people, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, the, 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 the stories and the experiences that your parents had or your grandparents had. She was a very strong woman. She was very talented and very creative because uh, she uh, loved to sew and she would make dresses and costumes. Uh, as another way to make memes. And I think that that is where my love for fashion and design uh, comes from Mm. Uh, because she was very passionate about that. Uh, I always, uh, she was a simple woman, but she was an elegant woman in her own way. Mm -hmm. Uh, She had great style. And I always remember she had very good taste. Uh, So I I love my grandmother, you know, and um, I think that that is where I, 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 I started to gain those feelings about what it meant to help other and, and to strive to achieve, mm-hmm. you know, to, to, to have a goal, to try to do, to make a difference. Um, I think that my other experiences were like working. I, I, I have 10 years of financial and banking experience. That was, that was my first job working for a bank mm-hmm. and working for that bank uh, in Laredo, they had, uh, they established an organization in which they would do community outreach, community volunteers, you know, the uh, volunteer services, the employees would go out into the community and volunteer. And uh, I became uh, their president, you know, the employees would vote mm-hmm. and I became their president. Uh, and so uh, that year, I think that I achieved the highest rate, like 98% of all employees volunteered at one at one time or another, and we had 150 employees. That's awesome. Uh, But just going out into the community and learning about different organizations, their needs, I think that it really started to stimulate something in me. So when I reached my 10 year anniversary with the bank, I was like, okay, I need to go do something else. I want to do something else that for me just feels more meaningful and purposeful. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started working in nonprofits. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. So, um, you know, we're all leaders in some way, obviously you're leading 
a diaper bank. <laughs> uh, <laughs> your financial bank to diaper bank, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. Staying in the bank business. Right, right. Um, <laughs> but but how how do you think you're a leader? And was there a defining point or person, maybe your grandmother, that led to that? So I, I, I do think that my grandmother was a wonderful role model for me because she was very determined and, you know, she, uh, in a way I would say she was relentless to achieve her goals, uh, because she would do whatever it took. She did whatever it took to reach those goals. And I think that those are some of the qualities that make a good leader. Um, the diaper bank didn't come around easily. It was a year of years of being dedicated towards, you know, this goal of, 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 creating this diaper bank and, and, and seeing it growing and, and, and staying with it through its hard times. Um, so, you know, it's, it, it, it's, uh, what was your question? I can't, I think I, I, lost my train of thought. I just started to think a lot. You can talk about whatever you want to talk about. Um, no, how are you a leader and was there a defining point or person? That, well, you know, I was, yes. So that. as I was talking about my grandmother and how mm -hmm. I think that she was a wonderful role model uh, because of her commitment to reach her goals. But I think that it was also something that innately was in me because um, I always tried to uh, be a leader. I mean, even when I was in school, I wanted to be student council president. I ran mm -hmm. and I didn't win, but I still, I, but I still ran, you know what I'm saying? Uh -huh. And, and, uh, and then I kept doing the same thing while I was in middle school. I wanted to be student council president or I, or I wanted to be in the journal team and the, what is it called? No, I was at the journalism, journal, journalism team. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why I didn't get it. So. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, uh, I always wanted to be a leader. Uh, I think that, yeah, finally, when I was in high school, we had an office education, which was an office, uh, which was a vocational program for people who wanted to go into business. And then um, part of the curriculum was for you to get a job in a business, which actually introduced me to banking. That's how I got my job in the bank. Uh, and so I would go to school uh, part-time and then I would go work part-time. Uh, and so it was, I was, I was their president of the organization also. So I've, you know, like I said, and then I was president of the employee advisory board at the bank. Mm -hmm. I never strive to be second. <laughs> if I couldn't leave, I, I was, you know, I, I right. then I just wouldn't do it, you know, because I believe in committing to something. Uh, I believe that that you have to be passionate about what you are are going to commit to. Mm -hmm. So I, I get asked once in a while, oh, do you want to be in this committee or can you be part of this group? And I really have to give it a lot of thought because I'm like, if I cannot be really committed and if I'm not going to be uh, being able to attend the meetings, contribute, which is most important to me, can I contribute and will I have a voice? Mm hmm. Will I be able to create change or something impactful? If, if it doesn't align with me and what I believe as part of my values, you know, uh, then, I, then I don't commit. And I say no. And I've turned a lot of things down because I can't commit. Right. That's, that's good. You, you can't do it all. 
I mean, that that wouldn't make a very good leader (laughs) either if you tried to do it all. Um, So, yeah, I I think even when you were talking about your grandmother, I I just could see a lot of you and what you were saying about her. Um, Well, I talk about the good times and the bad times. So a lot of people will come in now and see a 30,000 square foot facility with very nice Mm -hmm. offices. Um, But to get here. It was a journey. Yeah. I started back with this organization back in 2002. Mm -hmm. And. uh, Were they called the diaper bank then? No, no, they were not. They were Hispanic Religious Partnership for Community Health Inc. Okay. Try to sell that. (laughs) Try to raise money for that. You know, (laughs) you know, Uh, and it was actually an initiative and it's, it's kind of a, a, a complex story, but two things were happening. Number one, um, at that time, the Methodist foundation had just been established. They had mm-hmm. sold the hospitals and they were getting profits. And so these 10 churches came together, these 10 United Methodist churches came together and formed this coalition and they got funding. I think it was like $50,000 to start this, uh, consortium of churches so that they, uh, um, they could start providing outreach ministry. So to give a little bit more background, these churches were in some of the poorest communities and a lot of them had diminishing congregations. People were just moving, you know, and going to bigger, nicer churches up North in the new, in the new suburbs. And so these communities now had diminishing congregations. So they weren't, they didn't have the resources to provide outreach ministries. And, Mm -hmm. and then, uh, you had a lot of people knocking on their doors because these, you know, people, you know, who are in need come to a church first. Mm-hmm. They'll knock on the church door and say, you know, uh, pastor, can you help me? You know, can I get some help? I need to pay my rent. I have no money for food. I have no clothes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So these churches through this consortium were able to establish food pantries. We had 10 back then after school programs, Uh, clothing closets and they were doing a little bit of everything Mm. but it was through that that you know we continued to evolve and improve and I was trying to improve programming and make it more impactful and and I and I always said there's a lot of social service organizations that may be doing things that we're already doing so how much Mm -hmm. impact can we really be having on people uh so there was a lot of things that we were trying to improve and perfect but uh along the way you know, one of the things that we would do was to provide referrals. So when people would come and ask for util, at the time we were providing utility assistance along with the city, uh, in partnership with the city of San Antonio. And so people would come and get utility assistance. And sometimes they would ask for uh, others, you know, supporting others for other services, for other needs. And so I remember there was this uh, mom who had a newborn and she came in and uh, the intake specialist gave her a referral for diapers. And at that time, we used to have like this big book of information from United Way. And you would go look down and say, okay, yep. look, organizations <laughs> that say they provide diapers. I'm going to send you here. Here are two bus passes, two bus tickets. You can go over there to this organization. They're going to give you diapers. So about two, it was about two or three hours later, she came back. And this time she asked for me. And, and she goes, I want to talk to your, to your executive director. So I came out and I was like talking to her and she goes, you know, you gave me uh, this referral so that I could get diapers for my newborn. 
I took your two bus passes and I rode the bus over there. And when I got to the clinic, she goes, do you know how many diapers they gave me? She goes, she raised up her hand. She goes, two, two diapers. Because they explained to me that the diapers that they give are only based on donations that they receive. And then they ration out those diapers on an emergency basis. So they only give us a few diapers. She goes, I want for you to know that I've already used both of those diapers. Mm. And so, I mean, it tears at your heart. Yeah. I just got chills. Mom, mm-hmm. And you're trying to, and, and you're trying to uh, help her and the help you're providing is not great. So, I mean, we helped her out and we were able to get her some more diapers and get her, you know, and get her situated a little bit better that day. But at that moment, I remember sitting down with the staff and and we had this very informal meeting and I said, we need to do better by people. I said, we can't continue to do this. So I said, you know what, let me, let me, let me figure this out as, as, as I, as, you know, as, as CEOs, we're always like, I have an idea, you know, (laughs) I have an idea. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. Great, yeah. But it can also terrify the employees, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're like, yep. oh my God. Something. So I started researching and I found that there was this movement across America where these little diaper banks were being established. And I was like, diaper bank? I've never heard of that. I had heard of food banks, mm-hmm. but I had never heard of diaper banks. And I was like, oh my God, we need to do that, I said. And so I uh, wrote to our funder, Methodist Healthcare Ministries, and I got a grant from them to start a program. This was back in 2011. And so we received funding and we were supposed to distribute uh, diapers to, I think it was 500 children. And we ended up helping 1,500 children that year. Wow. And and that's when I told everybody, I think we're on to something. Mm This is important. And, and, and to describe our, our diaper bank, as many diaper bankers probably have told you, you know, you start in a very small space. We were actually at the time in a school that was part of the church. And we had a classroom that had been converted into an office. And at that time, you know, uh, I think it was like a year later when we finally hired a coordinator for the program he would sit there in the middle with diapers, like all around <laughs> him. And that room also served as the break room. Oh man. <laughs> so we had very humble beginnings. Uh-huh. Uh, and so, but it was great because you're able to build something from nothing. Mm-hmm. And you know that you really are having an impact because we grew really organically word of mouth we were not really doing any promotion advertising and people were coming to us and it's like I heard about your organization and can you help me with diapers Mm -hmm. and so uh it it, it's been a journey you know uh but like I said as, as a leader you have to stay committed you have to be able to have a vision of what you see yourself as an organization. Mm-hmm. So for myself, when people ask me and, and they come and they tour this 30,000 square foot facility, they were like, could you actually see this? I mean, like I couldn't see this in the future. And I said, I always knew that we would be here. Mm-hmm. I always had that picture in my head that we would have a giant warehouse with shelves, 
with forklifts, with equipment, with staff, distributing a ton of diapers to, to people. Mm-hmm. I said, and that is the most important thing, but you have to stick with it. You cannot just do it for a year or two. You have to journey with it. Mm, yep. Well, and, and, and just like you did to switch over with a big focus on diapers, you also have to listen to the people who need oh, absolutely because that's, that's part of sticking with it too, right? It's going to continually change and evolve as people's needs change and evolve. Oh, um, absolutely. You know, uh, we started with baby diapers and, mm-hmm. and, and, and we, we knew that we were making a difference. And some of the things that we stuck to, uh, luckily we found NDBN and became a partner with them. And we were able to get Huggies diapers, uh, you know, from Kimberly Clark, uh, mm-hmm. and, 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 and that has been fabulous, uh, because we were able to provide some of the best diapers that are yeah. out there to, to the people that we were trying to help. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I couldn't fathom myself distributing dollar store quality diapers or anything less than, because then I felt that we were really not serving well and, and we were really not helping people. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of stuck to that as a value about if we're going to help, we're going to help really well, or we're not going to do it at all. Yeah. So I think that that's really, really important. And, and, uh, and, and listening to, to the people that you're serving. So Incontinent supplies kind of also happen in the same way. Mm-hmm. Some of the people that were coming to us and saying, can you help me with diapers? Then they were asking this one question, you know, I'm taking care of my mom or I'm taking care of my dad. Would you happen to have adult diapers or any bed pads that you can spare? And light bulbs go on. Once mm-hmm. again, to my employees, I have an idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and when we go from there, we added incontinent supplies immediately. Mm-hmm. And it was the same thing with, with, with period supplies, because the moms that we were serving were also asking us for sanitary pads and, and products. And they were saying, you know, this is such an expensive thing. And I really don't have money because sometimes I have to buy the diapers and I don't buy my own hygiene products that I really need. Mm-hmm. And would you happen to have that? And, and so we started doing period supplies. And so for us, it's really been listening and paying attention to the people that we serve, but serving them with dignity. Mm, absolutely. Because, you know, for us or for me, uh, you know, that is one of the things that we set as a value is as I learned uh, and become educated about other nonprofits and then really investigating how they were doing their services or even getting feedback from clients that would come to us and said, you know, I went to that organization and this is how I got treated. Yep. You know, I went to that organization and you know that they couldn't serve me because I don't live in their zip code. I don't live, uh, I don't follow this, you know, meet the requirements, eligibility, so on and so forth. All of that I absorbed and all of that, I was really hearing what they were saying to me. And I said, I don't want to be that. Mm-hmm. Well, it goes we, back to the haves and haves nots that you were exactly, talking about earlier. Exactly. And I think that it, it, I, it that's exactly, it's your yeah. upbringing and, and, and you learn, it's like, I will not treat people less than, mm-hmm. Yep. you know, and if we're going to help, we're going to help really, really well answer people with dignity. Mm-hmm. Uh, we most recently last year, we started adding children's clothes. Mm-hmm. So I always 
you know, back, back in the day when we were still Hispanic religious partnership, some of the churches had clothing closets and I would look at their clothing closets and they had a lot of used clothes and, and mm-hmm. items and, and some of the stuff really, it was stuff that really shouldn't even have been there. It was like yeah. stuff, just throw it away. It's, it's, it's don't give it out, Yeah, you know? And, and at one point we started taking baby clothes also because people were offering us baby items and stuff and we were taking use. And I was really so disappointed at what people were donating. You know, it's like, do you yeah. really, what you really want for me to give this to another individual? I mean, this really belongs in a dumpster. It doesn't belong to another person. Right. So I told my staff and I said, you know, I have this dream that one day we're going to be able to distribute brand new clothes. I don't want to do used stuff. So there came a time when we stopped. We just said, we don't longer take anything that is used, even if it's gently used. There's other organizations that will take that. Please donate it to them. But we're, that's, that's not how we want to serve. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, then um, it's about a year ago, we partnered with all the right partners and we started getting clothing donations for baby clothes. And, and it's some of the best clothing uh, brands that, that you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we get, and, and I'm not just bragging about it, but really it just makes me so proud that we're getting Products like Janie and Jack, Carter's, the Children's Place, Gap, Polo Ralph Lauren. And people can't believe like, wow, you have this kind of clothes to give. And I said, yes. But it all started with having that vision. Mm-hmm. Right. About and, how and, I, yeah. and sticking to your values. And sticking to your values. Sticking to your values. And being, values. being a leader. It's very yeah. important. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh, why do you think some of us end up in a pile of it? And some of us get out clean. I think that uh, you have to be willing to grab the shovel. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You know what I'm saying is, uh, you know, it's never going to be easy. There are going to be moments that will really... uh, make you question, why are you doing this? I mean, we had moments when we were back in that church that I didn't even know how I was going to pay employees that week, mm. but it was my faith that something would show up. It was my determination and working things to make sure that maybe possibly something would show up. And I remember one time that I was really like, gosh, this month, you know, I was always looking at my cash flows. You know, that was the financial institution kind yeah. of thing yeah. that I brought with me. It was just inculcated in me from, from that experience. And so I would look at my cash flows and I was like, this month, we're really going to have $0 to pay employees and to pay rent and, 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 you know, that kind of thing. And so I get this $30,000 grant a week before. Mm. And, and, and I think that those were the things that then start giving you faith and they're like, okay, I'm not quitting. Something else will show up. I just need to keep working harder, um, you know, and, and, and things will show up, you know, um, Mm -hmm. you know, you, you go through moments when you have a lot of employees and then sometimes you don't have a lot of employees, you know, we all go through that, you know, mm-hmm. I think that we're now dealing with the great resignation, you know, as, as many nonprofits and for-profit businesses are dealing with, but you have to have faith that, that the right people will come along and, and you can't give up. 
because as a leader, you have to instill that in your employees and you have, you're, you're, you're leading and you can't show them that you're giving up or you think that things are not going to get better because then you're not giving them and feeding them the hope, you know, mm-hmm. that they, that they need. Uh, and so, you know, I think that we've gone through so many struggles and so many face so many different issues and circumstances, but we've always been able to get through it. And I think it's, <clears throat> it's always having a good set of values. Uh, you know, um, one of the things that, uh, that I believe in, in, in myself, and I, and I, and I share this with my employees and, and it may not be so evident sometimes to them, but I believe that, that all the decisions that I make, or at least I try to make all the decisions that I make, not putting my ego aside, putting my personal agenda aside and saying, I make decisions in what is the best interest of this organization. Oh, amen. Yep. Uh, I think that that is what also has helped us stay strong and be able uh, to face whatever circumstances Mm -hmm. that we are dealing with. Mm -hmm. Uh, because and I love how you said that, sorry to interrupt, but, um, you're, you know, I, I think I just echo that your employees might not always see it or understand it, but I agree. Like, I, I think that's part of being a leader, making the best decision based on what, or making the decision based on what is best for the organization. And you have to do that as a leader. Um, and sometimes, they're hard decisions and they may not be your favorite decision, but, but it has to happen. Yeah. I, I, I think that as, as leaders, I think that that is one of the most important attributes that you have to have as a leader is mm-hmm. the, the willingness to accept that you will have to make difficult decisions. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I mean, uh, you can't, you can't lead if, if you can't mm-hmm. make decisions. And that is the one thing that people don't, I, I don't know if they get it when people look at CEOs is that that is the one thing that we're doing constantly throughout the day mm-hmm. is making decisions, good, bad, right, wrong. We are making decisions, you know, <laughs> right. Right. We, you know, uh, we have to, and, 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 and it could be, you know, you're just walking down the hallway and someone asks you a question and you answer that question and then you move into the warehouse and somebody else comes up to you and says, oh, what about this? And you answer that question and then you move on. And then at the end of the day, you're like, how many decisions did I make? Mm-hmm. You know, how many, no how- wonder I can't make a decision when I get home. At well, night. that's the whole thing. <laughs> you, get, you know, like people, I, people say, like, do you cook? And I said, do you know that I haven't cooked in the last, I don't know how many yeah, years? Yeah, cannot. Because by the time I get home, the last thing I'm going to, I want to decide is like, well, what am I going to have for dinner? <laughs> it ends no. there. It stops. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally agree. Oh my gosh. Um, what, what do you most value? We've talked about quite a few of values and things that you like, but what do you, what do you think you most value? I think I value people. Mm. I mm-hmm. think I value uh, the human experience that we are all happy to be able to serve and create a better future for others. Mm-hmm. I think that that is something that I, I, I value. I don't think that I could do any job. So whether I'm, I'm doing nonprofit work or whether I move on to do something else, I always feel that I need to feel that I am creating 
and that I am helping someone. Mm. And then what I'm doing is helping, whether it's inspiring someone or, or teaching them or, or directly helping them, but it has to serve a purpose. You know, I, 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 I don't, you know, a lot of people have asked you, like, do you, do you think that you're ever going to retire? And, and I think that whether I move from being the CEO of Texas Diaper Bank to doing something, I don't believe necessarily that you retire because to retire for me is, is like giving up in this human experience. Mm. You know, it's like you, you, you're, you're giving up on being present and serving. That's, that's just my personal. No, I, yeah, I'm trying to put myself in that perspective because I have dreams of retiring and sitting on a beach doing nothing. But the reality (laughs) is I would get bored of that after two days, you know, you probably will be on that beach figuring out how you're going to save the crustacean. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I hadn't really thought about that, but you're right. Like it would, it would be about two days and I would be like, well, that was fun. Now what? And and it doesn't have to be. And I think that sometimes people say, Oh my God, are you going to start another nonprofit or something like that? I can't, I can't predict the future. I don't know, you know, um, what that, what that means. Uh, you know, I, I just know that it has to, I, I have to have that feeling that I am doing something that, you know, that I am creating, uh, you know, I, I, I believe, you know, I, I don't know whether people are religious or not, or, or so on and so forth, but I believe that, you know, you start with the word creation. And, and I think that that is the highest form that we can, that, that, that we are here to serve and create because we are part of creation. Mm-hmm. So whether you're, you're writing or you're, or, or you're an artist or you're starting a nonprofit, you're creating. Yeah. You're, you're always creating, you know? Absolutely. And so, yeah. Wow. Um, I think, okay, this isn't one of my standard questions, but what advice, although I think the making decisions is great advice, but do you have any advice for younger startup nonprofits? Um, not to put you on the spot, but is you know, oh, no, I, any- I, I, I've actually have been asked this question before yeah. by, uh, by students who, who are getting into the nonprofit, uh, career, mm-hmm. uh, and, 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 you know, and they're looking and, and I think that the most important thing that I will say for them is to start a nonprofit or get into a nonprofit for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. Do you align with the job? Do you align and, and, and do you align with the mission, which is mm-hmm. the most important question, with the purpose? Uh, I think that sometimes students leave school and they're like, oh, I'm hungry for a job. I got a degree in nonprofit management. I want to get I want to be a fundraiser and I need to get some experience. But don't say yes to just any organization. You must have a connection and you must make a commitment. Don't be a grasshopper. Don't go from nonprofit uh, to nonprofit to nonprofit. I hate that. I I, I tell them like yeah. I don't know what's wrong with the the new uh, the younger generation. <laughs> probably, you're probably gonna get like, oh my god, I can't. Believe that. <laughs> no, there's there's a lot of jumping. Yes. Yeah, it's like you can't create anything meaningful if you're coming into a job and sticking with it for six months or less than a year, and then moving on to your other nonprofit and and doing so forth. So before you say yes. Uh, to a job, make sure that it aligns with what, you know, your values, 
what you what you you're passionate about mm. so that it will uh connect with you uh because you're you're gonna be you know you're here to help you so so this is what i find kind of funny so let me let me let me share this with 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 you and then with your audience yes <laughs> is, is, is the fact is that if you're here to make a difference how can you make a difference if you're not passionate about the organization and committed to the mission and really making a change, mm -hmm. you know, uh, then you are not of service. You're a disservice to that organization and to the community and to the people you're trying to serve mm -hmm. because they're depending oh. on you. Yeah. I was just going to say that's so important for a whole staff that they feel passionate about the mission because otherwise it's not going to work. It's going to fail. <laughs> I mean, yeah. there has to be that passion for, for what you're doing. Absolutely. And, and I think that that is, 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 is anything in life that we do, you know, you, mm -hmm. you know, what you're going to take away is depending on how much you're willing to give. Yeah. And I think that if you, if you really step up into the mission of the organization uh, and really are wanting to make a difference and a change, you will can really contribute something great to, to that organization. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I, I, I tell people it's, and it, sometimes it's really hard and I'll say, because there might be a disconnect and I say, because of the function or the job responsibilities that you may have. So say, for example, uh, I've been interviewing a lot of people. And so I'm having this conversation right now with them. Uh -huh. And so I'm like, your job may just seem like um, you're applying for a development position or a program coordinator. And then they say, well, I really want to help people. That's what I'm really passionate about. Uh, you know, I really like that hands on and say, well, but the position you're applying for right now is working with partner agencies and onboarding partner agencies. So you really don't have that hands on direct contact with people. But here's what I want for you to know is that if you really are wanting to help people, you will make that connection that by onboarding the right nonprofits and, and, and helping them provide resources to the families, individuals that they help, mm -hmm. you're actually are impacting that one family, that one child, that one senior, that one woman who needs these, these services. And when you see your numbers on your report and it says, 200 families served through this program, those were 200 people whom you touched. Yep. And here is what I mean by you touched. I said, it's not just the product that we're giving them. Yes, it matters and it makes a difference. It, it really, it's not just that you help them with the diapers and they were able to change their parent, you know, their baby's diapers or, or the adult got their diapers and they're, you know, now they're able to go outside and be able to, you know, uh, have lunch with their friends or so on and so forth. That's important. But I said, here is what's even more important. I said, you are planting a seed. You're planting a seed of hope in that individual because you're telling them that they matter. Yep. And I think that that's what one of the things that uh, people want to know that they matter. The other day I heard a story uh, from Oprah and, and, you know, we all love Oprah. <laughs> of course. And, and, and so she got asked this one question and uh, she was asked, what is your favorite holiday? What is the, the best memory of the best holiday that you have? 
And she goes, it was Christmas. And you thought that it, it, before I, I go into the story, you would have thought that she would have said, oh, it was this big Christmas party that I had with celebrity friends and blah, blah, blah. Or it was that one time that I gave cars to everybody and that was just so <laughs> satisfying or whatever. She goes, no. She goes, it was a Christmas. And my mother had just told me that we were not celebrating Christmas because we were poor, that we were not having Christmas dinner and there would be no gifts. And yet it was my favorite Christmas. She goes, because on that night, there was a knock on the door and two nuns showed up and they showed up with food and they showed mm -hmm. up with presents. Wow. And for me, that was everything because I kept thinking when my mom had already told me that we were not going to celebrate and we weren't getting gifts, what would I be telling the children what I got for Christmas when I go back to school? Because oh. that's the first question they wanna, they're going to ask oh. me. And I felt that now I had a gift. Now I had something to share. She goes, and from that moment, it taught me that I mattered. Mm -hmm. I felt that I mattered when these nuns showed up with the food and the gifts. And it changed everything for me. It planted that seed. And, I, and, I, and I've always loved that story because it is so true. There was another uh, person that I knew uh, back in Laredo, and uh, she uh, was a wealthy person. She and her husband had started up a chain of, uh, of uh, fast food restaurants, mm -hmm. and they were known in their community to be very wealthy. They lived in, the, in a very wealthy neighborhood and so on and so forth. But she tells her story about that she wasn't always rich. She actually was like, we were very, very poor. And my best gift that I received was a doll that my mom bought for like a nickel at the Salvation Army. Mm. Wow. And then you think about those kind of stories and you think about that and you say, wow, what? That's incredible. You know, you see these individuals now and you say, oh my God, you must have much bigger and better experiences, but it's not the, it's not that. Those are not the things that really shape and change your life. Keeping up with the Joneses doesn't shape and change yeah. your life. Yeah, it's 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 those momentary things, mm -hmm. and 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 I have a you know I have several stories to to share all the time, uh, that have really changed my life mm -hmm. in what I do, and and has helped me pushed me to continue doing what I do. Just sometimes there's moments when you're like you know Jill, we've all had these as CEOs. This is it. Today's the day. There's a letter in the bottom drawer. I'm just gonna tell. I'm just gonna call somebody. To tell them, pull out the letter. It's 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 done. You know? But you know, I'm kidding. I don't have such a letter. But, but, but I like to think I do. I mean, I've had many times where it's just, it's just like everything just comes in waves mm -hmm. and it's issues and problems and things and circumstances. And you're just like, oh my God, when is this going to get better? And then there's a knock on the door. And I remember uh, there was a knock on the door. This was our Bandera location because we moved from like 1,500 square feet to 6,700 square feet. And now, of course, we're in 30,000 square feet. Yeah. So that has been our journey. And so we were in, at the Bandera location. This was the, the medium-sized one, the 6,700 square feet. And it was a Friday. All the staff had gone. And I would always stay late. Uh, 
and uh, there was a knock on the door and uh, and uh, it was after hours. So I didn't know whether to open the door or not. So I, I walked up and I was like, kind of carefully watching, like, who's at the door, you know, like, mm-hmm. kind of <laughs> and so I'm watching from the receptionist uh, office. I'm like, mm, who's on the door? Should I open it or not? And it was a woman and she was just standing there. And I just watched her. I don't know what caused the pause, but I just st- stood there for like a good five minutes, just watching her. And she just kept reading the sign on the door over and over and over and not moving till I finally had the courage. Uh, and maybe it wasn't five minutes, probably was less, but mm-hmm. you know, anyway, I could see that she had been wa- reading the sign over and over. So I go over and I open the door and I go, ma'am, how can I help you? And she goes, well, I was just reading that y'all are closed. And, and that's all that the sign really said. Oh, these are our hours and we're, you know, we're closed on Friday. So she goes, I just kept reading over. The-. She goes, you know, and then she just gets, starts to get teary eyed. Oh. you know, she goes, I, I lost my job about a month ago. And she goes, and I have two babies. So one is one year old. And I think the other one was like three years old. And she goes, and, and uh, I'm a single mom. And I lost my job. And uh, she goes, I've been, I finally ran out of money. She goes, and I've been going to all these different places trying to get help. She goes, you're the 10th organization I come to. And and you're closed. Mm. So that point I was like, ma'am, what do you need? As I've done many times, ma'am, yeah. what, do you, what is it that you need? How can I help you? She goes, well, I really need diapers or whatever. I said, ma'am, I'm going to give you all the diapers that you need. And, and then you can sign up for a program and then you can start getting diapers once a month. Then she really just started mm. crying and, and, uh, and I was trying to hold it back. And I was like, okay, Jorge, don't do, don't you start crying and start going into that ugly cry. Cause then it's over. It's just over. We're both. Then we're there. all crying. And then we're all criers. And then it was like, hold back. So, you know, I excused myself and I went and I got her the diapers and I helped her out and, you know, and offered her some, a bottle of water and, and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. So she could gather herself and she, and she goes, thank you so much. Thank you so much for really, really stepping up and wanting to help me. She goes, I'll never forget this. And I think that it's those moments that you have with those individuals that you know that you're like, okay, now I get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why do I endure this? You know, why do I just stand there and let all these things come at me <laughs> while uh-huh. I figure things out? You know, uh, why do I, you know, why do I, why do I go through those difficult moments? It's because of this. Is because you know that you really are making a difference. That day we showed up for her and she mm-hmm. knew that she mattered, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that those are the, that's just one of many, many moments and, and, and experiences that I have had that just bring it, brings it back home. Mm-hmm. You know, brings it back home and, and, and then you're like, okay, that's, that's, that was this is what I, I keep needed. going. Yeah. Yep. Now I gotta I keep, keep going. Cause Here's this one mom and there must be hundreds of oh yeah moms just like her mm-hmm. who need help. Yep. That you're helping. Yeah. Jorge, this has been lovely. <laughs> I think you've made me tear up at least three times. So thanks for that. <laughs> I thought I was going to be the one crying. I was like, oh, she's going to go all Barbara Walters. Oh, no. (laughs) 
No, that's for the next time you come back. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ashley, do you have anything you want to add? I don't think there's much that I can add, you know, except to say that I'm just grateful that there's people out there like you who have, you know, doing it for the right reasons and also mentoring, you know, the rest of us to come along and try to do things the right way, which I think most of our generation does want to do it right. We want to make, you know, a difference so that people, you know, get all the help that they need and that Mm -hmm. there's no reason for us to exist anymore. Right. So thank you for what you do and the wisdom that you bring. You're very yeah. welcome. It's, yeah. it's been a pleasure to have this conversation Good uh, for me. It, it served me just as well. Oh, good. Well, we will definitely have to do it again sometime. And I cannot wait to see you in October um, at the conference. Um, that'll be very fun. So yes. um, excited conference, to, conference to or not, my friends we'll and everyone yes. that I've missed so much and, yes. and we meet some new people too. Yeah, definitely. Yes. And we, I get to see you, uh, in June. Yes. Oh, that's a, right. That's right. Quick, we'll quick little DC. tour of a couple. Yeah. Some diaper yes. banks. So that will be fun. So, well, yes. thanks for joining us. We really You're appreciate welcome. it. Appreciate it. And, uh, have a great day doing, doing the awesome work that you do. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Jorge. Bye. I love him. Isn't he great? <laughs> yes. I can't wait to have a glass of wine with him and I'm done. Uh, I just, I love him. I mean, he talked about it a little bit in the beginning that he's always got an opinion and he's, you know, and, and he shares it. And I think that's maybe the thing I love most about Jorge. Like he is just unapologetically him. But behind it is this guy who is so passionate and, and um, just determined about the work that he does. And, and, um, and I think because of those two things, he's really good at it and he really makes a huge difference and it's awesome. Yeah, it's so awesome. Such a great storyteller. I love people who are great oh. storytellers. I wish I he was is. Because <laughs> <laughs> I always, I could sit and listen to hours just from stories that, you know, have impacted people's lives and the way they can retell them. And I think yeah. it's just very gravitational to be he, around those people. He is a really, really good storyteller. Um, and he had, I'm going to have to go back and listen because there were a couple things that were just really kind of noteworthy that I want to, that I want to pull out of there for sure. The blueprint in your mind that he talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that study that he talked about, I definitely want to look into that, the, how it affects your, you know, how maybe school affects your self-esteem or, you know, your, um, yeah, your self-esteem. So fascinating stuff and amazing work that they are doing and that he's doing in Texas. It's just phenomenal. Um, so if you're a listener in Texas, check them out for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Even if not still check them out, they're doing some great stuff for sure. So, um, so we hope you enjoyed and we will see you next time.